Welcome back, my lovely friends, to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. Um, I'm Lou Gerlach from Think Chat, and this is confession number 62. We're going to look at self-management skills for grades 1 to 6 from the lens of the homeroom specialists and supporting teachers. A one-stop shop this time. As a child advances in age, it's assumed that they know how to manage themselves because they sit quietly in your classroom. They're sitting nice and still. They're completing all of the assignments. But self-management is so much more than that. When I think of self-management, I compare it to ownership as part of learner agency. Both of them are more difficult to define because it's about our being and who we are at the core. We can't do a quick strategy to develop self-management skills, which means they must be done over and over again during a long duration of time. For those who want it one and done, this is going to be a growth area for you as you delve further into making it a vital part of your daily process. In this episode, we're going to look at ways that we can help learners self-manage themselves so they can build up resilience through life's toughest challenges. All of these ideas are going to be applicable to your different roles. And normally we would provide what teachers can do to model best practice in order to allow students to be able to demonstrate the ATL. But this time we're going to enfold it into the into with the subskill criteria so that it's a little bit more meaningful for us. Now, if we look at self-management as a whole, there are only two sub-skills um, that we have, which are organization and states of mind. And when I'm looking at both of these, my natural inclination with older children is to go with states of mind. I think this is an area that's seldom explored and I want to break it down into bite-sized pieces so I understand it more and hopefully you do as well. If you're interested in organization, pop over to episode 61 because I broke it down a little really in depth for the early years teachers. So states of mind. I'm first going to break this down because that sounds very ominous and big, right? What the heck is a states of mind? So when I'm looking at this um, self-management skill, there's many parts to states of mind. There's mindfulness, perseverance, emotional management, self-motivation, and resilience. The one that piques my interest the more most is resilience, since it's still a growth area for me in my practice with learners. And I hope that I can find some ways to break this down so that it's easier also for you. So when we're thinking about resilience, what are those sub-skills that we need to focus in on to help manage it? So one of them is actually manage setbacks. A setback is something that happens that causes a delay or prevents us from continuing. There's been a lot of talk in the past year about millennials and how they cannot manage setbacks easily. 
And when an obstacle gets in their way, something that stops from working, they easily give up. And the questions that naturally pop up in my mind are, were they taught to manage setbacks as a child? And were they allowed to fail? Or were they always given a last place trophy? It's through the mistakes and setbacks that we learn as a child that provide those greatest lessons and build up resiliency for when it happens again. So what's something we can do to help learners to manage setbacks? Well, one thing is we can support our learners to manage setbacks by giving them some agency to govern their learning. But you're wondering, manage setbacks? Agency? How are they connected? Well, by allowing the learner to, the opportunity to monitor and manage their own progress, it requires a lot of reflective practice and conferencing with you. But by allowing them to own their progress, they set goals and also plan potential outcomes. They also make contingency plans. So when certain setbacks occur, which we know is guaranteed, they've been trained to redirect their course to get around the setback or make a completely new plan. If we control the entire process, they'll continue to flail as they try to manage setbacks on their own. And this will provide a healthier state of mind as they move towards, you know, with new learning experiences. So what's another way that we can show resilience? Well, we can work through adversity. Adversity? Adversity is a difficulty or an obstacle we must overcome. They're not as less painful, but they're slightly less than a setback. A setback is going to be something that we can't control. But an adversity is we might have an obstacle, but how, what can we do to get around it and solve it? It can come in the forms of physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, or financial adversity. And adversity, like I said, is different from setbacks. Adversity is an obstacle that comes in our path. We need to resolve it in order to move forward. This helps to support the state of mind of resilience in moving and not allowing adversity to stop our progress. So what can we do to help that our learners? Well, we can help build resilience by co-constructing learning goals with success criteria that are achievable. Just like Goldilocks, we want to ensure that the goals are just right for our learners. When adversity, you know, and reaching the goal occurs, we'll already talk with learners about potential possibilities of alternatives with learners so they can best resolve it on their own. We can't wait until the adversity comes up because then it's too late. What's something else that we can do? Another way to support learners in overcoming adversity is by involving them in planning. How this looks be is between you and your learners, but it may gradually increase throughout the year as your learners demonstrate responsibility and take on more of the planning process. One thing is for sure, 
It's easier to manage adversity when you are in control of your learning. When you have no say, you feel helpless and alone. Think about those times when you had no control over a situation, but you still had to deal with the adversity. It felt was painful, you felt helpless, and you were very frustrated. So why should we not think our learners feel the same thing? So another way to build up resilience for our learners is work through disappointment. Disappointment is a sadness for not achieving something we really want. This greatly affects our state of mind because we yearn for something that will not happen or was not meant to be. Disappointment comes in a variety of ways, a loss of friendships or relationships, poor academic progress, family things that are happening in family life, not achieving our goals, and etc. The hardest part about disappointment is that it can stay with us for a long time. We may not show it on a daily basis, but it sits in the back of our mind and plagues with us. And so what can we do to help learners manage disappointment? Well, they're going to face disappointment on a day on a daily basis. I was going to say regular but daily. And how do we get them to deal with these disappointments in a healthy way? One possibility is creating an environment where learners are able to take risks without a consequence. The more risks they take, they'll be better equipped to deal with the disappointments that occur along the way. That makes sense, right? In addition, it creates an underwritten rule we're focused on the growth over time rather than an isolated incident. This allows learners to deal with their disappointments head on rather than pretending they don't exist because they eventually come back. And when they do, it's generally bigger and has greater consequences. So what's something else we can do to work through disappointment? Well, we can help learners manage their distractions. When disappointment occurs in our lives, we become fixated on that singular event and we stop the momentum of reaching our goal. We get distracted, it's normal. So how will your learners work through their disappointments? Will they use a visual reminder? Will they work with a buddy? You know, there's so many ways, but. We must allow the learner to determine the best one for them. Another way to manage resilience is work through change. Change can come in a variety of forms, but its impact is lasting. Some of us can handle change quite regularly and quite frequently, and it's not problematic. It might sting a little bit, but it's not devastating. Our state of mind can be greatly offset by a lot of change. And as adults, we struggle with change in relationships, you know, moving or our home, our work changes, whether starting a new position, losing a position, our financial status, and so much more. Imagine what it's like to be a young child who's dependent on adults to make these big decisions for them. They have no voice in working through this change. 
So how can we help them to work through changes that are happening in their lives and give them the flexibility to do it on their own terms? Well, change is the only constant in life. And since this is the case, you know, we need to prepare our learners for when times get messy. You know, as you can see through that, this entire episode, I'm a huge fan of learner agency. I think it's the only way learners can truly maintain a healthy state of mind. Part of this process is getting learners to regularly reflect on the process as well as ourselves. Through this reflection, you know, we, our learners, are able to make deeper connections and come up with possible solutions in dealing with change. This doesn't always have to take a written form. It can come through partner reflections, through small group discussions, through visual harvesting where we're capturing words and images, blogging, so we're utilizing social media type of platforms that are secured, Flipgrid where we're capturing ideas um, in video form, and whatever way that best fits your learners at that time. We just need to make sure that for our learners to manage and work through change, that they have systematic opportunities to be able to reflect on what they're going through, reflect how it impacts their academics, but also their life and how, you know, even though they're a child, what can they put in to safeguard themselves so that it's not eating away at their mind and their emotions? Now, I think that's enough <laughs> for today uh, because my brain's running on empty, but I hope this episode helped you to see the importance of explicitly teaching states of mind and resilience to our learners so that they can cope with the myriad of issues and situations that they're facing that oftentimes happen outside of the classroom and outside of the school building. Thanks again for joining for another episode, and we'll see you next time.